Hello, my name is Sandy Adamitis, the social media director for the Page International Screenwriting Awards, and your host for the Writer's Hangout, a podcast that celebrates the many stages of writing, from inspiration to the first draft, revising, getting a project made, and everything in between. We'll talk to the best and the brightest in the entertainment industry and create a space where you can hang out, learn from the pros, and have fun. Hey, there you are. Glad you made it. I went ahead and ordered you a cup of coffee, cream, two stevias, side of apple pie heated. I got your back. Today, our guest of honor at the Writer's Hangout is screenwriter Vivian Lee, whose credits include From, a brand new sci-fi horror show on Epics, and for Netflix, Lost in Space, The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, and Cowboy Bebop. Let's get started. Writers, today we have the lovely and talented Vivian Lee. Vivian, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you very much for having me. This is very exciting. We're friends, friends in real life. Correct? In real life, we are friends. Okay. <laughs> oh, good, good. Correct. Just want to sure that happened. Um, but in true Hollywood fashion, we haven't seen each other in years. Why? Yeah. Is it the traffic? The traffic. You know, as you know, living on one side of LA, if yes. you're not on the east side, you're never going to see me. If I'm on the west side, I'm never going to see you. Like, it's just, uh, you know. Yeah. People have no idea um, how hard LA is on friendships. Um, but we met on NBC's American Dreams, uh, which starred Brittany Snow, Tom Verica, Gail uh, O'Grady, Sarah Ramos, um, which leads me to my first question. You came up through production. You worked as a production assistant and a writer's assistant before being assigned a script on Ghost Whisperer, Ghost Whisperer, which starred um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. First, can you explain to the audience the WGA rule for assigning scripts outside a writing staff? Of course. Um, now, bear in mind, this was a while ago, so I don't know if the rules have changed or they've um, amended the rules. But when I was a script coordinator, the rule was if a show had more than like 22, 23 episodes, the WGA required that show to actually have two freelance scripts. And what that means is to find writers that weren't already on staff to give opportunities, either someone outside of the outside of the room, or um, in our case, for staff, to give them a, an opportunity. And I think it was a way for the WGA to make sure that there were other opportunities that were given That's out. That's so great. And, yeah, it's great. And also, if you and if they didn't follow that rule, I think the show got fined. Yeah, I think I you're right. Yeah, I don't think that, if I remember correctly, I don't think the fine was really that significant. So it was more like a, you know, so I, I, there were shows out there um, who would just take the fine. Um, our show was actually really good about not doing that. We actually did, um, on Ghost Whisper, did make sure to follow that suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually thinking about the time when that happened. What was interesting was that because I was a script coordinator and that was my job to make sure to follow those rules and I really wanted a script, so I would really <laughs> hammer <laughs> in and be like, guys, you ha- it's the rule. Like, you guys don't want to be fine. Like, I really made a point to 
scare. <laughs> it, was a, it was, yeah, so that was something I was, I remember distinctly going, I had to remind them every season, like, you have to give that two scripts, or else, you know, God knows what will happen. It wasn't, nothing happened. Because you came up in production, do you see things differently from someone who got a writing job right out of college? I mean, you saw all the inner workings before you got on staff. Yeah, I feel like because I worked five, six, seven years in production, um, it really gave me a unique perspective of, you know, people, people, people can be talented writing, you know, writers, you, 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 you know, talent is talent, but having a work ethic and having um, the ability, you know, the ability, the, the, the um, opportunity to see how a show works outside of just you writing in your room, I think was invaluable for me. Um, I learned deadlines. I learned that a, st- a script wasn't just about the writer who was writing it. I really learned about like, you know, there's a whole staff waiting for that script. There's a whole staff and crew who, you know, need to put their, um, bring bring that story to life. And it, it's a really a collaborative, and it's a machine. You know, in the best, in the best sense, in the best sense of the word. And I, feel like if I wasn't in the trenches and I was, again, I, I would have jumped at the chance if someone just asked me a script out of college, that'd be great. But I yeah. think per- personally for me, I think I would have fallen flat on my face because I think the pressure would have been too much for me and my ego wouldn't have been able to take it. I think if that had happened, I think I would have fallen flat on my face and just, you know, went back home. So I'm actually very glad as hard as that was that Wow, that's um, really interesting. That you don't know if you would have been ready for it right out of right out the bat. I don't think I would have. I think I would have been so ill prepared. Mm -hmm. Again, my ego being bruised of me thinking I could do something and you know having all the confidence in the world and then failing. And I think that would have been such a hard hard hit that I don't think I would. I personally don't think I would cover. Now there are obviously stories that people have gotten their script and have been successful and great. And that's fantastic. I'm just only speaking to my own. You know, having been on both sides, sometimes there's tension between production and the creative on television shows. I don't know why my voice went out there. What, <laughs> what can a writer do to understand production and vice versa? I mean, or you haven't come across any issues. <laughs> No, besides the like, oh, it would be great if someone in production took a writing class or someone who was a writer spend a day in, you know, in production. I think I've been on shows where there were a lot of animosity and I've been on shows where it was great. And the, you know, the two things, the the things that I can see that was different was um, a writer needs to understand that, again, there is crew. There are other people on staff who is waiting for script. You know, that's their livelihood. What what you what you're doing though is great and it's hard work. They're doing just as much hard work as you do. And vice versa. People on you know, crew, I think, um, you know, I've come I've come in contact with people on crew who dismiss writers, you know, who are like, Oh, you guys just sit in your room and eat and just come up with stories. It is hard work. It is hard work to be on crew, and it is equally hard work to be a writer. And I think we have to understand that one does not exist without the other. We have to, um, when you're a writer, you know, when you're in the room and you 
want to luxuriate in a scene and, you know, I'll write when the inspiration comes to me. It doesn't work that way. You know, again, this is other people's livelihoods. Much like a crew where it's like, oh, I can't believe it's taking so long for them to write. But sometimes it's just, we are all trying to put out the best product. Right. And, just, and again, it comes from the, sh- and then as you know, it comes from the top down, the showrunner, yeah. you know, what their relationship yeah. with their crew is, uh, is mirrors what the writer's room relationship with the crew is. Right. It's tough on the production office when it's seven o'clock at night and the oh, writer's yeah. room breaks and they're all cherry and they're all, you know, laughing and going to their cars <laughs> and the production office now, they have to uh, uh, work with the script that they were just handed and, yeah. and get it out. And and I've heard production office say like, oh, what have they been doing all day? Just like you just said, eating. And now that it's the end of the day and they don't realize that they've been struggling all day to get something. Yeah. And then, and then a writer has like, you know, sometimes a room you get six, eight hours to write. Well, when you turn in the script, they have two hours to turn that around. You know, it's, it's, it's that's waiting for it. And it's hard. I really believe my whole, like in my whole heart, the showrunner, the producer is the one that leads the charge. If you are a writer in that room and all you're doing is for the first three hours watching videos or right. YouTube videos or things like it's a waste of time. Period. Like I am again because I came from production. Time is of the essence. Like we have to be respectful of everyone's time and boundaries. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been you've been in the writers' room where it becomes like seven o'clock and everyone's looking around and nothing's on the board. And the worst thing to hear is, "Should we order a dinner?" Like that's the oh. worst. I know. That's it's, the worst. And, and then that, you know, again, that domino effect, but then that, that, that poor writer's system has to go to production and be like, hey, guys, they're going to order dinner. Production knows, great, I'm going to be here for at least till midnight before I get a script. It's just, again, as a showrunner, as anybody in the in that room needs to understand when we're here, we should be working, period. Sure, we're going to have fun. But I'm not, let's not waste, like, wasting time <laughs> Nothing, yes. no good. I don't care. I don't care. So yeah, that's what I think. I have had showrunners who have been who have loved to time waste, and have showrunners who've been very productive and be like, "Great guys, uh, a hot, we start at ten, hard out at five. Let's just get stuff done." And it's been great, you know. Yeah, that those are some good hours. Yeah, um, the good hours. Uh, now, uh, writing. Speaking about writing, um, you have an affinity for writing dark characters. Um, uh, dark characters that make the audience think. Uh, right. Who are a couple of your favorite anti-heroes in film and television? I think the one that really um, spoke to me was uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad. I remember watching that first episode. I remember reading the pilot, and I love that journey. I'm, I'm a sucker for a sad sack. That's when he starts off as a sad sack that, right. that, that grows into something confident but like does something good intensely good but maybe the 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 the, the way he goes about it was wrong nurse jackie i think is great too it's weird because i it's weird i don't nurse jackie's great right what what's weird is i don't think of them as you know anti-heroes right i just feel like they're just very human characters with most of the people the 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 characters i respond to are actually have a uh, a great a very strong moral come right they aren't necessarily mm-hmm. like evil for evil's sake. They're not mean people. They're not cruel. They are actually good. Again, they just did the wrong thing and they are trying to correct it or whatever. And I just, I think that's what, you know, I, I respond to the complexity 
said that, you know, people aren't good, people aren't bad, people are just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and um, uh, at that moment was the right, what was the right decision, but down the line wasn't. I think that I find that very interesting. How, when you're writing a more complex, flawed character, how do you keep them from being cliche? Uh, uh, for instance, good character um, is leaving the house and, you know, gets down on their knees and says uh, to the little kid, daddy will be home and gets them a teddy bear or something like that, right, um, right. where the bad guy doesn't save the cat in the beginning. Right, um, right, right. I think here, what's interesting about that is that I don't think, I never really, um, as a viewer, really responded to those like cliches. Cliches never really um, affected me because I didn't feel like they were real or honest. So whenever I write, personally, whenever I write a character, I don't look for tropes or cliches necessarily. I look for who is this character most like in the, that I know in real life, right? Because, you know, oh, the example you just, so the example you just gave of a father going, I'm coming home, you know, soon, and, and, you know, gives the kid a, a doll. I've never seen that happen in me. Nobody I know does that. So <laughs> I wouldn't write that because I'm like, I have no access point to that. Or even a bad guy doing something who doesn't save the cat. I don't, I know some of them do save the cat. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I come from a place of all, I, I try to is find um, avatars in my real life and kind of write towards those people that I am familiar with because I feel like that's the only way I can write. So Sandy, yeah. every character I've ever written, there's a Sandy there's a Sandy character in any <laughs> script I've ever I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like there is a Sandy character. There is, you know, a, my husband who I love, there's a character of him. Like everybody <laughs> everybody in my world is in my script. So if anybody wants to sue me, you guys have everybody to <laughs> um Vivian, how do you write? Now of course uh you're at the office, you're at your desk. Um, but when you're home or when you just, you know, have 10 minutes outside of the office, uh, how do you write? Are you in a bed? Are you at your desk? Do you have a home office? Um, I prefer, uh, as you know, my husband writes too. So, um, during the pandemic, um, you know, we have a, at that time he was two years old, um, writing from home was impossible. Uh, we ended up renting a office space in Hollywood, which is where I am right now currently, because we just needed the space to write. Now, that being said, I'm also a mother who has a kid who does not like to sleep alone, which is hard. So what we have done um, now is I write when I can. Like um, right now, currently, I have a, like my ideal space, office, desk, sunlight. But I've written many scripts at 4.30 in the morning in the dark on my cell phone with my kids sleep, you know, snoring next to me. Like, I, I you know, Final Draft has a, uh, an app. <laughs> I wrote a lot of scripts, again, in the dark on my phone with my son next to me because they have to get done. Um, I miss that. Who has an app? Oh, what app were you using? Yeah, Final Draft. Final Draft has an app. I think most Final Draft has an app. Uh, Fade In, I just found out, has an app. So I am able to, like, at work, right on my computer, save it and then at home four o'clock in the morning you know I just wake up with my kid next to me still sleeping in the dark just click on that final app final draft app and just keep writing um, wow that's not, amazing it's not ideal um but you gotta do what you gotta do right so I I'm in I'm in awe my my hat is tipped it's so that's, hard it's so hard 
But again, like, again this is just, you know, yeah, I, again, I remember, you know, being in production, that's just what you had to do. You just got to get stuff done. It's yeah. So you got to get done. You got to get, and honestly, like, it's like, so I wake up at, this is not all the time, everyone. I'm not a superhero. It's when I have deadlines. When I have a deadline, I'll wake up at four. My husband has done it when he works at 430. It's a beautiful, like, it's a beautiful time to write. I am not a morning person, but for some reason that works for me because the world has not woken up. There's no emails to check. I'm not getting any text messages. You're still in that, like, dream zone. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, and I can't write at night anymore because I'm so tired. Um, oh. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm sorry that you're tired, but that that sounds really <laughs> nice. The morning. It is. It's great. It's great. It's, I go to bed at eight o'clock, but yeah. <laughs> Vivian, starting out, what was your biggest misconception of what it meant to be a working writer? Luxury, waking up, having your coffee, go to a cafe, opening up your laptop and just write and just be, you know, waiting for inspiration to hit you, have a little lunch. <laughs> turn in something great that first time, that first draft, and then that's it. Like, you know, and then people marveling at it and they totally get your voice. That's, you know, that very romanticized version of, I, I don't know if I necessarily knew what a TV writer did. I think I conflated like being a novelist, right? Like I still think that's what novelists do, which is not true at all. But yeah, I guess I, I did not realize how you have homework for the rest of your life, how it's actually work. It's work. It's, it's getting up in the morning and it's a job. You work, and then you come home, and you work more. Like it's it's a it's little it's more than a nine to five job. It's like a legit job, and you have to treat it as such. You can't yeah, wait you for have inspiration to hit you. You know, you've got to do it. Your latest show from mm-hmm. that just started on Epics. Epics just started on Epics last weekend. They just um, dropped it the looks first three episodes. Really, really good. Can you just tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, it is a story of a family who gets stuck in a town that they can't leave. And what's really terrifying is that night nightmares come out to attack them. So they find themselves with a bunch of town people who have somehow found themselves. It's very Twilight Zone, very lost, where people just find themselves trapped in this town. And what's interesting is that no one knows who built these houses, um, things don't make sense. They do their best to live every day as they can, but at night they got to go home because the monsters <laughs> come out. Um, oh. And what's interesting is I really, um, this is the, one of the first shows I worked on that is more horror driven and I love horror. So it was really fun to, to write on this show. That's great. Congratulations on that show. Is Thank there um, anything else that you're just watching in general that you and you and your husband like? Um, as I've stated numerous times, I'm a mother of four year old, so um, with one <laughs> TV, so he dictates what we watch a lot of time. We're watching a lot of Winnie the Pooh right now, which is fine. Um, oh, we are currently oh. watching um, Netflix has that zombie show called I think it's called All of Us Are Dead, which is fun. I yeah. love the great. Um, the Great's Great. I'm trying to finish um, Dickinson, which I think is fantastic. Uh, you know, waiting oh, for cool. succession. Um, yeah, a lot of what we're watching a lot of the times is like half hour million dollar listing episodes. <laughs> <'Cause we're> <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah. 
still dream about having a house one day. <laughs> Are you um, New York or L.A.? Or both? L.A. L.A., yeah. Oh, 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 you mean for Million Dollar Listings? Yeah. Okay, so uh, both. We started off with L.A. Well, we started late in the game. We started, like, during the pandemic, a Million Dollar Listing was our um, discovery. And then we started going back and watching New York. So now we're at New York trying to catch up to L.A. Um, yeah. Do you watch? Do you watch it? Yeah, I uh, I watch both. I dropped out of New York for a little while, um, but mm-hmm. I really like Josh Flag. Yeah, I love. Him. <laughs> right. I just love his sense of humor and his old Hollywood style. Oh, he's my favorite, and I love that they're like best friends. I love that L.A. started off sort of like contentious, but now everyone's super friendly with each other and like hang out, it's- which I think is funny makes my heart act. It's, it's lovely. It, I actually love it that they're actually kind of friends. So yeah, it's the great. sunshine, it just makes you friends. <laughs> it makes you friends, guys. Uh, Vivian, thank you so much for answering those questions. I really appreciate it. Do you have time for a pop quiz? Oh, geez, Louise. Yeah, of course. Anything for you, Sandy. We're going to play. You wrote the TV show. But do you know the TV show? Oh, now <laughs> Exactly. Okay. We're going to go back all the way to your very first script uh, on Ghost Whisperer. Okay, we'll start off. We always have to start off with an easy one. Uh-huh. Uh, what? This is kind of general, um, not just to your episode. Okay. What is the name of Melinda, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt, her antique store? Same as it never was. Yes, which I don't think I've ever understood. Okay. What <laughs> the reason why I remember it, because at least once a year, I hear that song. And then every time I hear that song, I remember Ghost Whisper, And I remember everyone going, I don't get why the store's named that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> What is the name of the actress who played the little girl in the uh, episode, Natalie? She went on to become oh, regular. Modern, yeah. Is her name on another, Ariel? On, is it Ariel Rubin? It's, that's not her last name, is it? It's Ariel, Ariel right? Winston. I'm giving it to you. That's right. That's right. Thank you. That's right. Yes. I rewatched the episode, you know, to, um, uh, because I'm such a professional because I was doing this quiz (laughs) and I was like, Oh, it's, it's, uh, Ariel. She was really good actually in it. She was really good. Um, I remember when she came in and she did the reading, we all looked at each other and we're like, well, that's her. So yeah, it was just like, it was an easy easy find. Yeah. What was in the box that scared everyone? In, Ariel in my, in, in my episode, in my episode. <laughs> it was a box. It was um, the necklace a box. Key? Uh, it was alive. Remember Ghost Whisper? I spider? Guess it was it a spider? Red, red and was it a finger? <laughs> <laughs> red ants. I forgot about that. Gwyneth Paltrow, when Trish, the mom and soon-to-be bride, goes through the linen drawer, her finger is cut by what? Oh, you gotta be kidding me, Sandy! Uh, <laughs> I have okay. I won't. I won't drag I this out. Have no 
I have no idea. I have no idea. An ice pick. How did an ice pick get in there? What was placed in the marital bed? Is it a doll? No, it's a rope. Gosh darn it. I failed this pop quiz. Yeah, you're you're not doing very well at the quiz. Um who died? Oh, spoiler alert. Oh yeah. Who, di- <laughs> who dies at the end? Melinda's husband, Jim. Jim. <laughs> Was that a lot of pressure for your first script to have uh I mean to have to write the death of one of the main characters? If I recall correctly, um it was it wasn't a lot of pressure because you know obviously we had a good group of writers who helped us. I do remember having a good time writing that death scene, and I do remember that that is the first time I ever got hate mail from the fans. I remember getting <gasps> hate mail of like you killed Jim, how dare you? And I thought it was so delightful. <laughs> this was back in the day where it was actually like hate mail, like literally mail that you could touch and feel that was sent to the production office and. Somebody gave it to me and I just pinned it on my wall and I was like, I made it. I made it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, it was, I thought you did a really good job uh, in the scene uh, that, uh, and poor Jim. Uh, poor leaving. Jim. Yeah, they really shot that really well too. Yeah. yeah. I do remember that part. Well, Vivian, um, I'm going to give you the, this anyways. You lost. Pop quiz. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. Um, but we won because we got to talk to each other. Yes. And um, yeah. would it be okay if I said something at this point about you and how much I love you? Oh, sure. Go okay. ahead. <laughs> so I, you know, I really believe that a lot of people, you know, we spend our lives just kind of with different soulmates who come and come in and out of our lives, right? And you are the person that essentially helped me down this trajectory of where I am. And I will eternally be grateful. Every time, every time, and I, and I kid you not, I think about you all the time, too, because you were the one that gave me the confidence and vouched for me and helped me get not only American Dreams, but Ghost Whisperer and my first script on Chaos. And so you are one of those people that I will over, always, always, always hold dear to my heart. So you're the magic maker, Sandy. Oh, thank you, Vivian. Um, that is so sweet. And uh, you do the heavy lifting. You're you're so talented, and I'm so proud of you. And I love you. I love you very much, Sandy. Okay. All right. I hope you will come back and yes. uh, give your family a big hug for me. I will. And now that I know this pop quiz is about old episodes, I'm gonna have to rewatch everything that I wrote. Yes, <laughs> you're gonna come back. Uh, do another bye bye thank you bye that's a wrap for the writer's hangout thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please subscribe like and thrive till we get to hang out again keep writing the world needs your stories the writer's hangout is sponsored by the page international screenwriting awards executive producer kristen overne producers terry sampson and sandy adamitis music by Ethan Stoller.